0: Welcome! Welcome!
1: How kids learn to say trick or treat. It's the Improbable Research Podcast. I'm Mark Abrams, editor of the magazine Annals of Improbable Research. This is all about research that makes people laugh than think. If you like what you hear today, consider supporting us at our website, improbable.com. Here's psychologist and linguistics pioneer Gene Berko-Gleason, who, by the way, is the inventor of the WUG test, W-U-G test, and is the world's only Gene Berko-Gleason. How kids... Pick up Halloween Rituals with Improbable Dramatic Readings by Jean Berko Gleason. I'm sitting here today with one of the psychologists who studied trick or treat, the phrase trick or treat. There's a published study about what they discovered about trick or treat.
0: The Acquisition of Routines in Child Language by Jean Berko Gleason and Sandra Weintraub, published in the journal Language in Society in 1976. It's all highly
1: constrained.
0: This study investigates performance of the highly constrained Halloween trick-or-treat routine in 115 children from 2 to 16 years of age. Now you're reading your own words here, right? Sounds familiar. Sounds really good. (laughs) Trick or treat,
1: you could say, is all about sociolinguistics.
0: It is evident from sociolinguistic studies of adult language that the use of language in the social setting is rule-governed and that failure to follow the rules has socially disruptive consequences. A speaker who says goodbye and answering the telephone, for instance, or one who calls his employer by her first name without invitation will certainly suffer the consequences of his socially inappropriate behavior.
1: Have you ever run into somebody who did call out goodbye when they answered the phone?
0: No, it would be just crazy, wouldn't it? I yeah. mean, Have you, you ever- wouldn't know what to do. Somebody yeah. picked up the phone and said goodbye. What would you do? You get a
1: lot of annoying phone calls from companies that want you to buy things. Have yeah, you well, ever- you could
0: you could say goodbye to them, but then that would be the end of the conversation, uh-huh. obviously.
1: Would you try that?
0: I'm taken to just hanging up because they're not listening.
1: Oh. Kids pick up the darndest things, maybe in the darnedest ways.
0: Although there have been some studies of the structure of routines in adult language, little is known of how and when children acquire them.
1: And when you say acquire, what do you mean in well, plain language? You
0: notice that in a society like ours, every kid says thank you and bye-bye, for instance, which are routines, or even may I be excused, not every kid, but a lot of kids at the dinner table. And these are things that are not things that kids are motivated to say. But they are routinized expressions that you have to say on certain occasions, like hello and goodbye and thank you and things of that sort. So that's the question of how is it that you come to perform these, shall we say, at the appropriate place and the appropriate time.
1: So you and your colleague wondered whether you might find some surprising things in what seems to be just routine.
0: Well, routines, the trick-or-treat routine. In other words, you say trick-or-treat, but do you know what it means? You have to perform it.
1: Uh-huh. I was hoping you would read from your old words here.
0: Well, we became interested in routines—that is, in greetings, farewells, and other ritualized forms of language behavior. Appropriate use of routines depends more upon saying the right things at the right time than upon deeper cognitive structures.
1: What are cognitive structures?
0: Well, just understanding—that is, uh, intelligent comprehension of the meaning of something. You know, when you say that's a dog, you have a comprehension of what a dog is when you say thank you you don't know what a thank you is
1: the truth is that the thing you're studying here is not so much about truth not completely
0: learning the routine that goes something like hello how are you fine thanks and you fine doesn't require knowing what it means to feel fine in fact the truth can be disruptive
1: what do you mean by disruptive
0: well, if somebody says, how are you? You're really supposed to say, fine, thanks. How are you? If you're passing on the street. If the person says, how are you? And you say, actually, my gout has been bothering me. And you stop and you begin to tell them about your physical condition. They don't want to hear it. That is disruptive.
1: What do you do when somebody disrupts you that way?
0: Well, you just, if it's a situation. Not me,
1: you. What do you? I personally? You personally. You personally.
0: Well, it depends on if it's somebody that I know and really care about. If it's a stranger who wants to tell me about their physical ills, I I will attempt to move on, which we all should do.
1: What if they keep on talking and don't want to let you go? Then you
0: just have to get out of there, don't you?
1: How do you do that?
0: You exit the conversation. You change the topic.
1: What if they're really, really persistent?
0: Well, then they're just a very impossible person. Well, yeah, what do you do? I say, that's really interesting, and now I need to go.
1: And then they continue telling you about their stomach operation. Are
0: you, are you making it impossible for me here? I don't know what to do. You just try to get out of it. You, you don't have to continue an impossible conversation.
1: It's all about this study. It's all about the phrase trick or treat.
0: The major part of this paper is about one particular routine, the Halloween trick or treat sequence.
1: Mark their words. Say, thank you.
0: Two things stand out. The first is that from the beginning, adults mark routines as such and treat them differently from other linguistic behavior. The commonest marker is the word say, as in say thank you, Jeremy. Say hello to Mrs. Spencer.
1: Say bye-bye.
0: Say bye-bye. Can you say bye-bye? That's the first thing kids say. Okay. The second observation is that the earliest routine is bye-bye, and that it is nonverbal in its earliest stages. Nonetheless, it is marked by say. Even when the child is only expected to open and close its fist, the adult who may shake the baby's arm is liable to say, say bye-bye. That's what people do with their babies. You can see that all over. People waving their kids at one another and say, say bye-bye.
1: Let me remind you that this is really about trick or treat.
0: One routine that most children acquire and that is unique in its application is the trick-or-treat sequence, which is used only on Halloween Eve. There is no other day of the year when these words, trick-or-treat, are appropriate. By comparison, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year are general formulas that can be said over a longer period of time and in many situations where pleasant salutations are appropriate.
1: It's about inflexibility.
0: The Halloween routine is remarkable for its inflexibility. While a number of possibilities exist for what to say and meeting a friend in the street, the child has no options other than silence on ringing the doorbell at Halloween. He has to say trick-or-treat, and to produce the usual sort of greeting would sound bizarre. It would, for instance, be entirely inappropriate for a costumed child to ring the doorbell and say, good evening, unless, of course, he were costumed as Count Dracula and produced it with a strong Hungarian accent and... I said, good evening. Could you say that again? Good evening. Everybody knows what that is, as a matter of fact. If you ask people on Halloween, a kid rings the doorbell and says, good evening. Who is that kid? Everybody says Dracula. You would know that, wouldn't you? Now,
1: how limited is this to the United States? Well, of
0: course, it's not innate. I mean, it is a cultural, social thing. So it's what happens in this country. I
1: never suggested that good evening is innate. Well, there are a
0: lot of people who think that language, you know, it's all innate. You don't learn anything. It just springs innate. Would
1: Noam Chomsky say that good evening is innate?
0: (laughs) I, I, I will not get into a Noam Chomsky discussion here.
1: Then he might say good evening is innate.
0: No, I don't think so. I think he would agree that there are some social aspects to language. At least I hope he would. Does
1: Noam Chomsky go trick-or-treating,
0: do you know? I bet he did, because I have yet to find an American who didn't as a child, and he did grow up in, like, Philadelphia or something. Didn't you go trick-or-treating as a child? Oh, yes. And didn't you say trick-or-treat?
1: Yeah, I don't think I ever said good evening.
0: No, because you didn't go as Dracula.
1: That's correct. All right. A doorbell. That's a doorbell. A doorbell played a part in this investigation.
0: Our basic method of data collection involved tape recording what happened in one household on two successive Halloweens and in a second household the following year. Both houses were located in middle-class suburbs of Boston. We mounted a cassette recorder near the door and turned it on every time the bell rang. As the children were leaving, one of us stopped them, much to their surprise, and asked how old they were. Despite the inappropriateness of the question, they answered, not without a little hostility
1: could you tell in advance which kids were likely to be hostile
0: well with bigger ones you know but the thing is that what's happened now is that there are teenagers who go trick-or-treating and they obviously don't want you to ask questions of them
1: what do they want
0: they wanted the candy they were just out for swag
1: does that word swag bother you no good with everything, including the doorbell, it's really a matter of routine.
0: The children's portion of the Halloween routine consists of three nuclear utterances, two which are parts of other formulas, trick-or-treat, thank you, and goodbye. Children, by and large, did not initiate any conversation beyond the routine. A typical interchange is patterned as follows. The child rings the bell. Adult opens the door. Child says, trick-or-treat. Adult answers with part of some adult routine, like, come on in, or oh my goodness, and gives the child candy. Child says, thank you, and turns to go. Adult says, goodbye, and the child on leaving says, goodbye.
1: As Halloween drew to a close, so the researchers drew to a conclusion, or maybe several.
0: Conclusions. A parent teaching this kind of language routine to a young child, in fact, never discusses with children what bye-bye or -or trick-or-treat mean. With routines, it doesn't matter what you think as long as you perform at the right moment. Thus, the acquisition of routines proceeds in the opposite direction from much of the rest of language. With routines, performance comes first. The adult marks the routine by the use of some device like say and insists that the child perform. Only later, long after he's learned to say bye-bye or thank you or -or trick-or-treat, might he come to know what, if anything, it all means.
1: What, if anything, does it all mean?
0: Well, you know, there's a long history. A lot of kids say trick-or-treat and they don't really understand that it used to be that you were actually threatening people, saying trick or treat means that you will have a trick played on you if you don't give me a treat. I mean, kids don't know that, that that's what it means. And, of course, they don't do it either.
1: When you were a kid, you went door to door and said trick or treat, to me. Yeah. you? Yeah,
0: and I don't think I knew what it meant either. Hmm. And we didn't, we didn't, we didn't uh, perform tricks. That's sort of vandalism, you know. If the you trick ha- would be throwing eggs at your house or something.
1: Were you ever tempted?
0: No. I was a little girl
1: now that you're an adult, are you ever tempted?
0: Oh, but I have gone trick-or-treating. I used to go with my kids. And that was the thing we found, you know, in this study, which is that the adults went with their kids and they stood on the sidewalk and made sure that the kids performed. So that there would be a mom standing on the sidewalk calling out to the four-year-old, don't forget to say trick-or-treat and thank you. And then the kid would go to the door and say trick-or-treat and leave saying thank you. Adults really enforce this.
1: Do you get a kick still out of watching kids and parents do oh, this? Oh,
0: yes. I mean, I, if I'm home, I do stock up on candy and all that. You know, it's, it, it, it's probably, this, this study was done quite a while ago, and a lot of places, people have gotten so frightened, the country's so scared of everybody, that there isn't a lot of trick-or-treating going on. A lot of kids, they're afraid to go out at night. But it's very similar otherwise, but not not the same everywhere.
1: What were some of the other phrases you had thought about using?
0: You mean studying?
1: Yeah. what was? Well, we have.
0: We have a paper called Hi, Thanks, and Goodbye. We did look again at parents making kids say things like Hi, Thanks, and Goodbye. And, you know, we've looked at those routines. We looked at a number of... Those were mostly Hi, Thanks, and Goodbye, and Trick or Treat. This was very early research. It's not called routines anymore. It's called formulaic language. And there's a whole field of people doing formulaic language out there.
1: Why is it called something different now?
0: I guess because they want to refer to what you're saying as a formula rather than a routine.
1: What's the difference?
0: I don't think there is a difference. It's just the current word for it. So it's formulaic language. And it's from people who've come to the realization that not all of language is creative in the sense of being, you know, syntactically creative and all of that. That some of what people say is formulaic in the sense that you may learn it as a hunk and maybe not even break it down that you just have to say certain things, and that there are certain societies in which there's a bigger proportion of that kind of language than in others. I mean, for instance, if you say proverbs and things a lot in your language, you know, those are formulas in a sense. We have to just realize that all of language, that everything that people say isn't motivated by some inner drive to say some cognitive thing. Part of it is that you have to say the right thing at the right time in order to make it in society.
1: Are there a lot of adults walking around who clearly never learned how to say some of these right things at the right time? There are
0: adults who are inappropriate. I mean, there are adults, or there are adults... I had students in class one year from a different culture that I won't name, who said, why should I say thank you if I don't feel thankful? I don't. And if people come to my parents' house, they were describing the way they were, is because people come to my parents' house, if I don't want to say hello, I don't say hello. As if everything has to be motivated by your own inner drive that way. And of course, those people are perceived as crude people. And I also had some some dealings with people who were had a school for children with various kinds of developmental problems. And we said, you know, here's an important thing. Even if the kid doesn't have a lot of language, Teach the kid to say hi, thanks, and goodbye. If that kid, however challenged the kid might be, smiles and says hi, and says thanks, and says goodbye, people will think, what a nice kid. And the parents reported that that made a huge difference to them, too. Just teach your kids to say hi, thanks, and goodbye.
1: Are there some adults whose uh, experience in life could be drastically improved by teaching them those three things?
0: Oh, I think so. I think so. Is there any hope
1: of reaching them?
0: And no, because a lot of people who don't do it are so narcissistic. They think they don't have to. They think they're so important. You know, why should they say thank you? Everything is due them.
1: Maybe some of them are that important.
0: No, they're not. Nobody's so important. You know, civility is really important. And people should be civil with one another.
1: Okay. Is there a wrong way to say trick or treat?
0: You could say everything the wrong way. What would be, mean, the, that, what be the worst way? Well, you could just menace the people. You could really say trick Or treat, you know. I mean, you could make it sound as if you're really going to do something terrible. But people don't. They say, trick or treat. In fact, somebody sent me a very funny thing. It was some Martian who had come to the—I mean, the person wasn't a Martian. They sent me a story about a Martian who had come and didn't realize that the Martian had arrived on Halloween and thought that all the kids were the way people were here and couldn't understand why all the kids were walking around saying, trick or treat. As Trigger Tree. But, you know, I think a lot of kids hear it as Trigger Tree, too. They don't have a clue what they're saying. But imagine a Martian arriving here in, on Halloween. I'll try. Yes, it'd be funny, wouldn't it? Do think that's what our society looks like? Good evening.
1: You've been listening, if you've been listening, to a genuine episode of the Improbable Research Podcast, I invite you to subscribe to the magazine, the Annals of Improbable Research. Six new issues a year. Get yourself some back issues, too. Also get lots of details about the Ig Nobel Prizes, upcoming events, what's in the magazine, and about how you can help and be part of it via our Patreon. All this at our website, improbable.com. It's possible that Seth Glicksman is the improbable production assistant next time on this podcast we'll look at something or other until then
0: goodbye goodbye